What a great time of worship. Thank you, Donald, James, and choir. And I had to keep looking, but Lino, I finally found who was playing the trumpet over there. Give that young man a big hand. Outstanding, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. I invite you to turn in the Old Testament to Psalm 92, and we will move through this over the next few moments, uh, each of the different phrases there, Psalm 92. And I have entitled it today, and I hope and pray that so many of you still hold this chorus in your heart, that he has made me glad. You know, it's all I can do to, to keep from singing because I know that would be a disaster. <clears throat> but I have had twice in just recent days to tell me what a wonderful voice I have and that I should be in the choir. I'm serious, at Choir Fest, I was told that. And then uh, James, he's loving this. 4.30 today. No, I'll be busy at 4.30. Y'all be quiet. I'll be busy at 4.30. But, so to, to both of these people, I have said to them, they would say, you ought to be in James's choir. And I said, well, I tried out, and he wouldn't take me. So, <laughs> but he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. And this is kind of an unusual flow here. At, at first you'll think, wow, this is not really happy, but it is if, you, if we can get in together in the same spirit here because this phrase, he has made me glad, comes right out of Psalm 92. And let's pray together again. And Almighty God, I pray that as you have touched my heart with this, and I, I've, just, I've made a mess out of my notes, and I just trust you to lead us through it, and that we will know that we have reason, in spite of whatever is going on, to be glad in you. Forgive us of our sins and our prayer is that here today, someone, more than one, will accept you as Lord and Savior. And those by way of radio, somebody will pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. And I pray that all of us will be drawn closer to you. Forgive us of our sins. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I began by reading the opening four verses, which you see there under the title, He Has Made Me Glad. And it says here, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of 10 strings, on the lute, I had to Google the lute, and it is a stringed instrument. Looks like it comes out of the Shakespearean era. Obviously, it was in the biblical days too. But on the instrument of 10 strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sounds, for you, Lord, have made me glad. You, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. There's four thought processes as best I could understand them and in the studying of the commentaries that the psalmist is indicating these things in his life that are the works of the Lord and because of them, they have made him glad. The first one is... 
He has made us glad because he has revealed himself to us. That is very, very, very important. Psalm 92, verses 5 through 8 says, O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when not all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. We can be glad in spite of what's happening because God has revealed himself to us. I won't go through a laundry list of the challenges in America today. I would get it wrong, I might say it wrong, but I think everybody knows, and I think about back in the early days of our space exploration, that one of the most dreaded words that we could hear would be our astronauts saying, Houston, we have a problem. That, that, was, that would be one of the most devastating words to hear, but thank God in most of those situations they were worked out. But I know, and I say this, and that is with, I believe that there's awareness here that we, we could say, America, we have a problem. We have a problem in America. And I am restricting this to America. We have a problem over the world, over the whole world right now. But we live here and we're in the midst of this problem. America, we have a problem. Now, bear with me. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, with what I'm fixing to say, uh, I enjoy having a good time and just, you know, carrying on. So when I got here this morning, I asked uh, one of our guys back there, I said, am I preaching today? I like to ask that on Sunday morning. You know, am I preaching today? And he said, I don't know, but we'll see when you get up there. <laughs> Woo! Mickey! Mickey, man! We'll know when you get up there. Well, you'll probably think, oh, he ain't preaching today. Friend, we've got a problem, and we've got two options. We've got two options to turn to with the problem, and naturally, first, foremost, is God. And now here's where I've tried to prepare you, or we can turn to Humpty Dumpty. I'll explain it. In fact, a large segment of our nation has turned to Humpty Dumpty. America sat on a wall and America had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put America back again. And right now, America has a problem. We have fallen off the wall and I'm telling you, we are all cracked up, amen? And we are expecting the king's horses and the king's men, let me say, we are expecting the government to put it back together again. And friend, they're making a bigger mess of it than what it already is. But God has revealed himself to us and I thank God. In the midst of it all, I thank God. This passage of scripture tells us that God is great. How great are your works? This scripture tells us that God is wise. Your thoughts are very deep. It took Job a lot to learn that. And finally said, I talked about things I didn't know, I didn't understand, but now I see how awesome and mighty and wise you are, God. God is great. God is wise. 
God is in charge. Amen. But you, Lord, are on high. He is in charge, and God is eternal. Now, we have a problem, and it is a serious problem, but we can rejoice in the Lord because we have a great, wise, powerful, eternal God that if we will turn to Him, we will see our way out of this problem. Now, you know, you, you watch the news and you hear all these commentaries and all of these panels and things like that. And whatever media you are watching, if it's a more liberal media, they will throw up their hands and say, I just don't understand what's going on. Which means they don't understand conservatives. If it's a conservative media, we throw up our hands and we say, I don't understand this. I just cannot believe that they believe this, think this way and make these decisions. And of course, if you're of that mindset, you're talking about the more liberal side of the situation. And I sometimes sit there and I myself, and I think I've got the flow here, I have really scribbled on, on these notes. And that is, we need to cut to the chase and whether anybody is a liberal or a conservative or progressive or whatever, we cannot fix the problem until we isolate the problem, until we identify the problem. And the problem is the problem that has been the problem since the devil got kicked out of heaven, friends. And it's pride. That's the problem. Everything else is a symptom of the problem. It is pride. Satan wanted and still wants to be God. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. And the story of history is chapter after chapter after chapter of people actually believing that they are God and that they have the answers and they can figure it all out. And the problem is that of pride. And the Bible says to us here in this passage, I've shared with you that God is great, God is wise, God is in charge, He is all-powerful, He is eternal. But this passage also tells me that the wicked, they are senseless, they are foolish, and one day they are going to be destroyed by the power of God. And we are suffering from the Humpty Dumpty syndrome, and that is people out there trying to put America back together who ain't got a clue. Amen? They don't have a clue. The King James says they're dull. They're dull. And that's the way those of us who God has revealed himself to us and we know that he is great, wise, and powerful, in charge, and eternal. And we throw up our hands and want to know what is going on. And the thing is, it's pride. People thinking they have the answers. People thinking that the government has the answers. People thinking that they know what's best for us and they want to tell us and they want to control us and that is a matter of pride. And what needs to be reminded here 
is that pride goes before a fall. And I find it interesting that when Satan was kicked out of heaven, that Isaiah passage says, see how Lucifer has fallen like lightning. And then in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, what do we call it biblically? The fall. We call it the fall, and pride goes before a fall, and it is obvious that America is falling off a wall. And just like that Humpty Dumpty, there's a lot of things here that are cracked up. The answer is God. I think about the story of Snow White. A children's play is taking place. The children are on the edge of their seats. Everybody loves Snow White. All of a sudden, Snow White is in a coma from a poisoned apple. Children all over the theater are crying. I've said this before. Man, there's some Disney movies that scare me to death, you know? When that whale is after Pinocchio, I'm just on the edge of my seat, you know? And the children are crying. But all of a sudden, a little boy stands up and says, don't cry, don't cry. I've read the book and everything's going to be fine. Amen. I heard of the little boy who liked to read himself to sleep at night and he's under his blanket and he's got a flashlight and he's reading and he's giggling and his mother comes in and says, why are you giggling? And he says, well, I'm reading right now about the bad guy. She said, why are you giggling? And he said, because I've read the end of the book and I know he's going to get it in the end. (laughs) And I'm telling you, friend, I have read the end of the book. And it is going to be all right. Because God is great. God is wise. God is powerful. And God is eternal. I think of the story comes out of the Wild West. And this little boy, young man, is up there preaching. Way out in the West, way before the country really got settled good. He had no education. All he knew is, is that he loved the Lord and God called him to preach and he was preaching. Well, the back door of the church opened and I can see the little church. It was like a lot of my beginning churches. The door opened and this man walked in and he was dressed Prince Albert style. Top hat, cane, long tail coat. Walked all the way down to the front and sat down. Now I can just imagine this young cowboy preacher. Like what is this? And after a few minutes he could not contain himself and he stopped and he looked down at that man and he said, Mister, are you saved? That man stood up and said, Young man, I'll have you to know I'm a seminary professor. And that preacher said, well, I wouldn't let a little thing like that keep me from going to heaven. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, friend, we don't need, and this is going to come in the next part of the sermon, we don't need to let what's going on in America keep people from going to heaven. We we, we, We owe it to them to make sure that they know that there's another option than Humpty Dumpty, amen? Who can't put nothing back together and guess what? They broke it to begin with. How about that? So he has made me glad. I rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord because he has revealed himself to me and in him is hope 
and life and power. And so I am trusting in him. Secondly, he has made me glad because he has delivered us from our enemies. The author, the psalmist says, in Psalm 92, in verse 9, he says, For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. This is the hard part of the Bible, but it's the true part of the Bible, and it's what America has lost, and that is there's no consequences for anything, but I'm going to tell you there's consequences for wickedness and evil. One day God will take care of business. As R.G. Lee would preach, there's a payday coming someday, friends. There's a payday coming sometime. And so then in verse 11, not only has God triumphed over his enemies, and we need to remember this, the mindset in America is absolutely flying in rebellion in the face of God. Every commandment has been broken a hundred times over. But God will take care of that. And then the psalmist says in verse 11, My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. Now, when he's writing this, tribal culture, warring tribes, a lot like what goes on in the Middle East right now, not knowing on any day how the day is going to turn out, not knowing who's going to attack you, and I'm going to tell you we're getting to that point now. And so when he says that he has delivered me from my enemies, in a very real way he's talking about physical, nationalistic enemies. But I want us to concentrate for a moment that God can deliver us from our spiritual enemies. And I would ask the question, what is it in your life that will rob you of your joy, that makes you afraid, makes you anxious, makes you feel shame, makes you feel guilty, makes you feel unworthy, makes you less than who God created you to be. I am telling you here and now, God can conquer that enemy in your life. And I rejoice because he's conquered a lot of enemies in my life. I keep going back with this, passage, with this scripture to Psalm 23 and the kind of life that can make us glad, where God has delivered us from our enemies. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't want, I'm okay. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I can relax because I know I'm safe in Him. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in God we don't even have to fear the aspect of eternity. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. They comfort me. I rejoice today. I am glad today. Because I know on the cross of Calvary, as Donald sang a while ago, 
Jesus is triumphant over the enemy. He is he triumphed over Satan, and he triumphs over all the, the lack of confidence, all of the inferiority, all of the guilt, all of the anxiety. He has, he has triumphed over that. And God has and will deliver us from evil. Now, I told you two weeks ago maybe that I'm on a prayer kick. And that's what I spoke to the exchange club the other day, One Nation Under God. Don't look at that picture in the paper this week. I look like Yoda in that picture. <laughs> now everybody will go out and buy a paper and I'll get a commission. But I spoke one nation under God and I told them I'm on a prayer kick because I'm gonna tell you, friend, we can vote, yes, let's vote. We can speak up, yes, we can speak up. We need to encourage people of, of character and Christianity to run for office. But I'm telling you, friend, we are down to the point where we better be on our knees. We better be on our knees and hear this, and I have begun to mention this thing, those people in our society who are creating such trouble, such turmoil, such atrocities, I have no desire whatsoever for them to go to hell. I pray for their salvation and I pray that they will see the God who revealed himself to me. And that song, brethren, we have met to worship and that second verse of it is just so, so upsetting it says, See poor sinners slumbering on the brink of woe. They call themselves woke, but they're asleep, amen? And what they don't understand is they are sleeping on the brink of woe. And then it says, death is coming, hell is moving. Can we bear to let them go? No, whoever they are. I want to be like John MacArthur, who's praying for the governor of California and his salvation. And every time we see some of this nonsense, this foolishness, this is dullness, and I know there's children present, but one of the scriptures says they are just absolutely stupid. When we see them, instead of throwing up our hands and wishing them poor, let's throw up our hands and say, God, show yourself to them. Save them. Save them. And that's the way I want God to deliver us from our enemies. I want him to save them. So I rejoice. Number three, he has made me glad because he has given us strength and honor. Psalm 92.10, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Horn is a symbol of power here. An ox was one of the most powerful beasts that they had. And God has given us strength. And then I love this. And I have been anointed. We are the anointed friends with fresh oil. And so what he is saying here is, he has made me glad because he has given me power and he has given me position. And that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me 
and out of Psalm 23, where he says that he's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over, we are able to say in the midst of it all, I'm a child of God, and I am a child of the King, and I have no need to fear. I have no need to fear. And so I rejoice. He has made me glad. Yes, we got a problem. But friend, number one, there's a God. And He is wise, He is great, He is powerful, and He is eternal. He has and He will deliver us from our enemies, but my prayer is that He will deliver us by them getting saved. And I'm on that prayer kick. God, save these people. Because, I mean, they're headed for something terrible. They are headed for something terrible. With their positions, their attitudes, there is nothing in the future for them but heartache, trouble, and downfall unless they come to Jesus Christ. And we need to be praying for that revival. And we are the chosen. We are the anointed of God. And I tell that little story again of the little boy one day. He was out of school. He was bored. There was a huge boulder in the front yard of their house, kind of a sloping hillside. They'd been talking about, we're going to get rid of that one day. So he decided today's the day that I'm going to get rid of it. So he started work first thing that morning with shovels and hoe and pick. He was going to unearth that rock and move it. Well, it was way back up in there, and it was big. And he beat himself down. And his father came in from work. He saw what was happening. The little fellow was exhausted. He was dirty. He was sweaty. He was discouraged. And his dad said to him, Son, are you using all your power? That was the wrong thing to ask the little fellow. And he said, What do you think? And his dad said, No, you haven't. You haven't asked me to help you yet. God's looking at us and he's asking us, have you used all your power, all your strength? You're my child. You're a son of the most high God. You need to ask me to help you. Amen. And so we cry out to God. He has made me glad. This is a sermon of rejoicing and I pray that you see it and that you see it against the backdrop of a cracked up world that we're living in. And Humpty Dumpty ain't got it. God has revealed himself to us. God will deliver us from the enemy. God gives us strength and honor. And number four, he has made me glad because he has promised us a fruitful future. I like this. The last verses, 12 through 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. There may become times when we think it's all over, it's done, I'm done with. No, my friends, no, my friends. God can keep us and he can help us be faithful and fruitful all the way into eternity. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock 
and there is no unrighteousness in him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I have begun to pray a little addendum to my prayers. Regularly, I thank God for calling me into the ministry, for equipping me and for using me, and for forgiving me when I have failed. And now I have added this phrase, and Lord, keep me unto death. Keep me unto death. And I rejoice in the Lord and he has made me glad because I believe that God will keep me until my last day on this earth. Stephen Covey in that book of the habits of highly effective people says one of the seven habits is to begin with the end in mind and that is what do you want people to say about you when it's all over here? I always ask families when they call me to help them in that time of grief, what can I say about your loved one? And of course, in the arena that I work in, there's all kinds of wonderful spiritual truths. But I also ask them, well, what kind of things do they really enjoy? Well, one of the youth ministers that I had one time was preaching, and he talked about being called to do a service for a family that he didn't know and they were not churched. And so he asked them, he says, well, what can I say about mama? What did mama really like? And they looked at each other and finally one of them said, mama sure loved NASCAR. <laughs> mama loved NASCAR. Well, that's good. You'd be amazed how many services that I say of someone who has passed, they sure did like the Atlanta Braves. They sure did like the Georgia Bulldogs or whatever, you know. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. But I want them to say that he sure did like Jesus, amen? That's the legacy we want. That's the resume we want to leave. And I simply say this and we come to the close. For that kind of fruitful future, if at all possible, start early. Young people, Start now living and building a legacy for Jesus Christ. And you will be fruitful and vibrant and effective all the days of your life. Even if like me, you wind up in Baptist Village, amen? You'll still be fruitful and vibrant to the end of your life. You can still always witness until you draw that last breath. He will keep us fruitful so start early if at all possible, but number two, it's never too late to start. If you've not built a resume for God, you can start right this moment and build that resume for God. If you've never given your life to Him, you can do that today. And you can begin to live and serve and love the Lord and build a resume for God. And then, friend, you will finish strong. Praise the Lord. I didn't think I was going to make it through this one. But you got it, didn't you? Did the preacher show up today? Amen. I will rejoice. He has made me glad because I know he has not forsaken us. He has overcome the enemy. I am his child and he will be faithful to me until the end and I will be faithful to him and he has made me glad. James comes to lead us in a hymn of invitation. Somebody here today, you need to begin to build a spiritual legacy. 
Somebody here today, you're like, I sure don't have a clue what's going on in this world. What is going to happen? Let me tell you, don't fall a trap to the Humpty Dumpty syndrome. God is still on the throne, friend.